Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning and welcome to another Morning Java brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market where God, they got a lot of new things right now, new new bowls with like tater tots and mac and cheese, but my favorite thing right now is still the zucchini fries. Kind of healthy, but kind of not. It's perfect. They're incredible. Uh, I get those way too much, but we're talking uh, penguins. Not a whole lot going on with uh, you know the season ending the way it did, but it seems like uh, every year that the, the penguins get eliminated, uh, it, it follows up with, uh, are they going to trade Mock and Latang someone? That's all. That always comes out as a rumor. And I know like Latang is the name being thrown around now. And I know Dave. I know you just talked to, to Rutherford, and I know you have some thoughts on. You just wrote a ten thoughts, so it doesn't make sense to move Latang. No, I. <clears throat> I mean, I don't. I don't think that you can rule out anything because I mean we've certainly learned that over the years that anything is possible, but there's no indication that that's really a front burner consideration uh, for the Penguins at this point. Uh, there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, you know, at, at this point, he's still the most important guy on their defense, the guy who plays the biggest minutes. Uh, I think John Marino in the next couple of years might be ready to move into that role, but he, he's not there yet. That would be an awful lot to, to put on to a guy going into his uh, second pro season. Uh, in addition to that, they simply don't have that many NHL caliber right-handed defensemen in the organization. And I suppose you could get one back uh, in a trade for Latang, but would he be an upgrade and would he be an immediate upgrade or for that matter, even the equivalent of Latang, because if the idea is to win now, which I think the Penguins have made pretty clear is, is their objective, uh, you don't want to take a step back in, in any area if you can possibly avoid it. So, you know, I, I think it's incumbent that, that Rutherford listen to any offers that he might receive for Latang, because you never know if somebody's going to offer you way more than they should for some asset that, that they really covet. But I will be quite surprised if, if Chris Letang isn't here uh, when next season starts. Yeah, I mean, you figure they already have to add a right-handed defenseman to replace uh, Schultz. Because the, the righties now, the only like regulars still on the roster because Schultz you know, isn't coming back is uh, it's Marino and Latang, and then, you know, they have Ruidil and, and Trotman as depth guys, and then Maniscalco as a righty, uh, probably the, the top prospect who could come up. And so I, I think you can't be unloading your best right, right-handed defenseman right now. And then even then, just the logistics of it with a flat cap, and he makes $7 million, I, I think it would be hard, especially because, you know, he has an 18-team trade uh modified no trade clause where you can you know pick 18 teams or he would like to go so um you know those bad teams that do have the cap space probably would not make it on his list 
Um, so the logistics would just be tough. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the bad teams, he's probably not a guy who would make a difference for them anyway. So, you know, when you're talking about a generic bad team, uh, they probably wouldn't be interested in adding him under any circumstances if they had to give up a chunk of their future or anything like that. So, you know, it, as I say, you, you never want to rule out anything in this game, but it's really hard to imagine a, a scenario in, in which there's a, uh, a big demand for him uh, that the Penguins could come out of uh, in as good of or better shape than, than they currently are. Yeah, and especially when you, you know, remember that they just brought in Ty Reardon, who's going to work with uh, the defense and the power play. And, um, I mean, he worked, he was around when, you know, Latang probably at his peak, and, you know, he worked really well with him. So I think bringing Reardon back in, I, 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 it does make sense to then just move Latang before they have a chance to work with each other because you don't know what Reardon could do with Latang to, to get him back to that level where he was before. No, uh, couldn't agree more. I mean, outside of creating some salary cap space, you know, I, I'm not sure what the upside would be to uh, to taking Latang out of your personnel mix. Um, it's he, yeah. He can be infuriating at times uh, with some of his decision-making. Uh, he also can be very good at times. And I think the Penguins are, uh, over the next couple of years, going to be in a position where they try to catch lightning in a bottle in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they're going to be a Stanley Cup favorite uh, over the next few years unless there are some dramatic changes uh, both here and, and around the league. So if you want to uh, take your chances at uh, or enhance your chances of overcoming some long odds, uh, one way to do it is to have a, a guy like Latang and hope that you're able to harness him at his very best when you need him the most. Yeah, I mean, there's just a bunch of reasons why Latang, Latang trade probably isn't likely, but these are just the conversations we have when they get knocked out in the qualifying round in August. And then have to deal with a flat salary cap. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, Dave, as a result of the, the coronavirus and the shutdown and the weird schedule this year, it, it seems like we, we're missing out on a lot of, of stuff. Like right now, it, it should be uh, development, development tournament time and then preparing for training camp. It, and a lot of this stuff just isn't going to happen at all. So, I mean, what, what, what are the implications of that? Because I think a lot of people aren't thinking about that. 
Yeah, it really is strange. We we're already well past the time when the penguins uh, would have had their development camp. Uh, gotten a look at the guys who would have been drafted uh, shortly before that and some of the other prospects uh, in the organization. That obviously isn't going to happen this year. Um, we're right around the time of year when the prospects tournament would be taking place uh, in Buffalo. And again, you'd get, get a look at uh, some of the guys who might end up taking a, a run at, uh, at spots in the NHL uh, in the coming season. I mean, that's John Marino kind of had a coming out party uh, in Buffalo last year. He certainly uh, showed a lot of potential that uh, some of us didn't realize that he had at that stage of his career. Uh, I remember Sam Lafferty also having a, a really good tournament. And while Jim Rutherford had spoken of him earlier as a guy who was capable of playing games in the NHL last season, um, I was kind of skeptical about it until I saw him in that tournament. And uh, that made the point uh, that he was uh, good. And more importantly, it made, it made the point to the team officials who watched him play certainly uh, gave them reason to keep an eye on him when, when the regular training camp opened uh, a few days later. Uh, without that, you, you have to wonder if uh, some of the guys uh, who are in the pipeline might not get quite as much of a chance when the real training camp rolls around uh, as they would have in, in a normal year. Yeah, and I just think of the, the undrafted guys, too, that they bring in as invites. Because, I mean, that camp and then that tournament is really uh, where a lot of guys do earn, like, those contracts. Uh, I mean, Bellarive, that's where they got him from. Alex Dorio, the goalie. Um, a couple, you know, every year it seems like they sign out of that after that tournament, you know, if guys play well. And, I mean, they have made uh, free agent sign, like Josh Maniscalco, Cam Lee, Drew O'Connor those guys, but it seems like uh, it's a real missed opportunity for for those invites because um, they don't have, I mean, the Penguins don't have a chance to see, you know, how they've grown and those invites don't, they're missing chances to go pro. Yeah, and I mean, that's particularly important for a team like the Penguins who's, uh, you know, the, the talent pool outside of the NHL isn't very deep. And if you can pick up one or two guys who might be able to contribute to, to the parent club a couple of years down the road you know, because you like what you saw of them in the prospects tournament. Well, that would be a real plus, but uh, you know, that's a, a chance that the Penguins aren't going to have this fall. Just uh, you know, one of the long list of things that uh, the coronavirus pandemic has, uh, one of the impacts that it has had on the hockey world. Yeah, and I guess, you know, there, there are, they're they're benefiting in a way from that too. Just think about Josh Maniscalco because I mean when I when I talked to him he, he said that you know had this all not happened and next uh, college season would be certain because right now it's not you don't know if they're going to play at all that he would have just gone back to college at Arizona State. Um, but because we we really don't know what is happening as a result of uh, coronavirus, then he did go pro and then that's why the Penguins were able to sign him. So. Um, but I mean, you just think about, about everything, like like the draft coming up, there's no combine. You don't get to see those prospects in person unless you're the Coyotes and you bring them in illegally. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, 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 it's got to be hard for the, the scouting staff too, because you figured from 
you know, march on. They're not they're not seeing these guys play when they would have gone out there to see them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good thing is, from the scouting perspective, is they did have nearly a full season to watch guys play junior or college or or whatever. What teams will miss out on, I think, is is the in person interviews. Uh, a lot of those happened at, at the combine. Uh, you know, it's uh, not unusual for a, for one of the uh, higher ranked prospects to talk to 15 or 20 or more teams. Um, it gives the uh, the front office people a, a chance to evaluate uh, the uh, prospects on kind of a personal level to get get a sense of their personalities, maybe a feel for how they might fit into the uh, the culture on their team. Um, you know, so while, while they have a, uh, a book on, on how they, how guys perform on the ice, they probably won't know them personally as, as well as they do in a typical year. Plus we don't know how quickly they will, uh, will vomit while taking some of the bicycle tests that they get put through at the combine. So, uh, there will have to be drafting decisions made without that little, uh, bit of information uh, they uh, they do get put through some uh, grueling workouts at, at the combine so I'm not sure that the prospects uh, will necessarily miss that part of it except for the ones that the coyotes brought out but yeah I mean the, the implications of this season uh, it's, it's gonna be lasting and it goes well beyond just uh, the games and in, in this in this this NHL season oh yeah I mean there will be careers that will will be altered uh, as you noted, Maniscalco's career is going to start probably a year early, uh, while there are other careers that will never get off the ground because uh, the guys who would have had them won't be getting, you know, the uh, chance in training camps and before training camps that they would have in a, in a typical season. It's just uh, one of the many ways in which this is uh, what we can only hope is a one-of-a-kind hockey season. All right, we know what's, you know how coronavirus has impacted this season. We, we really don't know much at all about what's going to happen next season. I know uh, Bettman, you know, originally the plan was to start December 1st, but even that, that's not set. We, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, when, when do you think the season's going to start, uh, the 2020-21 season? Well, I had a conversation a couple of months ago with someone who is in regular touch with some pretty high – league officials who told me at the time that it was uh, that although December 1st was the target date uh, for starting next season that something in mid to late January uh, was a lot more realistic uh, and now there seems to be uh, that seems to be a growing sentiment that, that that's the case it's pretty clear that the NHL because it is uh, such a gate-driven league really doesn't want to play games in, in empty arenas. Uh, the, the money that they make from ticket sales is just too important to, to most teams. Uh, and the, the TV revenues just aren't enough. So if, uh, if the coronavirus isn't under control by December, um, it's really hard to believe that, that the league would, uh, would go along with that. Uh, I was also told a few months back that the league's plan to play an 82-game schedule in uh, the the 2021, 
was not terribly realistic, which, you know, dovetails nicely with the starting in mid to late January uh, school of thought. And that certainly looks like the case too, even if you discard some of the things that can extend the, uh, the season, like a, a bye week and the all-star break and things like that. Even without those, if, if you don't get the season going until mid or late January and are intent on having a conventional, typical button-down season the following season, then you're not going to play 82 games in 2021. Yeah, I mean, even if they shorten the season a little, if they don't want to have next season run into August or, you know, another late season, they're going to have to make uh, some concessions. And I'm, I'm reminded of something, I think it was Jonathan Taze brought up, of something he'd like to see, um, kind of like reducing travel just in a normal season, uh, kind of like do it like baseball where, uh, you know, you don't go out to like the Western teams, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go out to California twice a year. They'd go out once and kind of play like a baseball series. Like you play, you know, your two games against the Sharks. And um, so I think something like that, like, could, could help cutting down the season because they'd cut down the travel days. Um, if you'd kind of play like a, like a baseball schedule like that, or um, they don't have to go out West at all. I mean, if, if you're on the, if you're an Eastern Conference team, they could do, uh, you know, more, more divisional games, kind of like an AHL schedule, AHL, like Wilkes-Barre plays Hershey and Lehigh Valley 12 times a year um, to really cut down on that travel. Cause I mean, that's a day trip. So, I mean, could you see something like that working in, in the NHL? I don't think you could rule out any possibility at, at this point. I, I, I think that the Taves idea it probably would have more support in the West than in the East, just because uh, travel is so much more extensive out there. Um, it does make a lot of sense. I, I can't really speak to it from the marketing perspective. If it would be, if the people in say Anaheim would have trouble selling tickets for two blues visits, you know, on consecutive nights. Um, so I, I'm sure the league would look into that aspect of it before making any decision, but something like that makes sense, especially in a, in a scaled down season where if you would play it like the old baseball setup where you would only play inside the American or national league, if you would play all of your games inside the Eastern or Western conference, and then uh, you wouldn't have a meeting between any, any representatives from those conferences until the Stanley cup final. It, it would be a way to inject maybe some, uh, a little more interest in into the regular season, maybe to separate it from uh, from the norm. Although Lord knows there's been enough separation from the norm over the past six or seven months. Uh, but no, I, I I don't think the the league could uh, could or should rule out any possibility at at this point. And until they know exactly how much time uh, they'll have to work with uh, to have a regular season. And around, you know, early to mid-April, um, you know, it, it, it's tough to say exactly what might be viable. Yeah, and I think, you know, back-to-backs like that against the same team could, could, could provide more excitement. You know, if it's a Vegas, you know, San Jose game, 
uh, and, you know, the first game gets a little rough, you know, something like that could, could carry over if you're seeing, you know, the same team that, that close to each other. So I think it, it could be more exciting that way. It, w- it might not be boring for this, the fans to see the same team two games in a row. But, I mean, I'm just a, – a, a big thing, like the, the minor leagues, what's going to happen, like, with them? Because, you know, the NHL, it's a gate-driven um, – it's gate-driven revenue. But, I mean, if they are, the AHL definitely is because they're not getting TV money, like mm-hmm. – like at all, like very, very small. They're getting like my $30 AHL TV subscription. Um, and, you know, you figure they, they would have to follow the same schedule as the NHL so you could have that, that, that call up or would, like could an expanded roster carry over into next season? Well, if, if there's no American Hockey League season, but there is one in the in the NHL. I mean, you have to believe that the rosters would be expanded. Um, you know that that just I, I I don't see how you would get around that. But I mean, for the the minor leagues to lose another full season, boy, that would do so much damage to the development of of so many players. You know, just across the league, that that wouldn't be a Penguin specific issue. That would be something that would uh, would affect all teams um and you know if uh and the, the same you have to believe is true of junior hockey you know again i i know that uh, there are tv contracts in canada but i don't know that they're lucrative enough to uh, make it worthwhile for for junior teams to operate if they're not allowed to have fans in the building um colleges I really don't know. I, I don't know that it's a hockey is a money maker at most schools. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure if, if some of those could uh, get by having a season without fans. But hockey in general, you know, if, if you don't have people in the building, it, it's pretty tough to imagine uh, games taking place. Yeah, I mean, the the uncertainty with the minor league season, you're already seeing a lot of teams loan uh, prospects over to Europe if they can for, for next season. Uh, but, I mean, the problem with that is a lot of those leagues, they're, they're not allowing short-term contracts. Where it's like you can't loan them over until the AHL season starts. If you loan them over, they have to stay there the full season. Um, and a lot of those teams are closed to, to import players like, you know, you can't play in the top Swedish league unless you're Swedish at this point. They're, they're not accepted. You can't, like, be an American or Canadian going over there. So, I mean, it's tough. I mean, like, Casper Bjorkqvist uh, already loaned to, to Finland for next season. Uh, he's playing for Cuckoo uh, in, the Finnish, in the Finnish league. And, I mean, that makes sense because, I mean, if he, if he would have waited until uh, the AHL season starts, and if it starts in December, January, that's more than a year between games for him because he's been hurt. Um, and you're seeing a lot of like the top like Russian guys go over like the KHL, and I've seen like Sweden, Sweden and Finland. So even if the AHL season does you know happen, you're you're going to be missing a lot of a lot of key guys. And I don't know, maybe some of those European players have uh, an advantage because I mean guys like Casper can go over there, but if you're like Jordi Bellarive, Justin Almeida, there's nowhere where you can go. Like they can't go to Europe and play. There's no there's no spot for them. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, for NHL teams, unless they have access to optimistic information that we haven't heard yet, um, I think it, it's wise for them to send any Europeans that they can to Europe. Even if they do have to stay there for the, for the year, at least you'll be guaranteed that they'd be playing, which, you know, I, I would, while you'd prefer 
if you're the Penguins, to have uh, certain prospects be in Wilkes-Barre as opposed to in Europe. It's better to have them in Europe than to be idle for an entire season. So it's, uh, it's certainly a, a, a different world. Yeah, we're going to see DeAndre gliding up the Slovenian League over there. <laughs>